In episode 11 of the Well-Led Schools podcast, I'm going to be taking a deep dive into the importance of surveying staff before taking any actions designed to improve their well-being. I'll also walk you through my own survey template and share insightful data on how schools across Australia are currently tracking in regards to well-being and culture. Stay tuned. Welcome to Well-Led Schools with Adrienne Hornby. On this podcast, we talk about all things staff well-being, school culture and leadership. Join me for incredible and rich conversations with a range of experts who will give you tips, tricks and inspiration to best support the well-being of the staff in your school and yourself. I'm your host, Adrienne Hornby, a health and wellbeing consultant and former school leader. I partner with schools across Australia to tailor and embed staff wellbeing action plans aimed at addressing staff burnout and building positive working environments. This episode is brought to you by our signature Well-Led Schools Partnerships a 12-month program that brings leaders and staff together to create a shared vision for their school and empowers them to create an action plan that leads to needle-moving changes in school culture and morale. Doors to our partnerships open only once per term. Stay updated on program openings and sign up for the waitlist at adriannehornby.com.au forward slash school hyphen partnerships. Conducting an anonymous staff well-being survey, in my opinion, is the most effective way to pinpoint exactly where your staff's stresses lie and which school focuses and well-being initiatives will make the biggest difference to their well-being. Before implementing any new initiatives designed to support staff and teacher well-being, it's really important that we as leaders assess our school and gather relevant data to understand how our people are doing at work, to undercover any underlying issues, and to determine what initiatives may be most helpful for our school. The process of gathering and reviewing multiple sets of data is called a school scan. And one way to collect some of this data is by running a school-wide anonymous staff or being survey. In this solo episode, we'll cover why your school should run an anonymous staff well-being survey, the benefits of anonymous staff well-being surveys, how to effectively survey the staff in your school, and I'll step you through my anonymous staff well-being survey template, the sections included, and I'll also share some really interesting stats with you that I've uncovered over the last 12 months of running and analysing surveys of schools across Australia. The simplest way to understand what teachers and school staff need to support their mental health is to, you guessed it, ask them. A confidential staff survey helps to measure and monitor progress and it enables your school to focus on tangible and practical actions that you can take to support a whole school approach to mental health and well-being. 
Anonymous staff or being surveys can help you, the leaders, to collect really valuable feedback as well. And this helps to aid you in creating a wellbeing action plan that's going to directly address the needs that are most reported throughout the survey. Now, in my opinion, schools should carry out wellbeing surveys at least once a year so that they can better understand things like how teachers and school staff are feeling or faring mentally and physically, what are the key or top stresses that are impacting staff wellbeing at the moment, because we know that this can change from year to year or sometimes even term to term. Also, how staff feel about work practices, their levels of engagement, overall morale, as well as management and leadership. Additionally, it's really important for us to ascertain how supported teachers and school staff feel in the workplace. And we also need to capture feedback on leadership processes, any models that we've introduced, initiatives and approaches to staff well-being and mental health that we may have in place or that we've had in place in the, in the past. The survey process also helps to identify any additional support that they might need for their mental health and well-being and how they think this would best be received. Now, there is plenty of evidence to highlight that teaching staff and education professionals have some of the highest rates of work-related stress, depression and anxiety in Australia. I mean, we just need to scroll news channels or turn on the television to be reminded of this all the time. Research has also found that teacher stress also directly impacts student learning and whole school outcomes, which is why it's really important for us to address this, not just for the people in our organisation, but also to influence the life and learning outcomes of our students. Now, one of the key steps that I suggest schools complete when considering wellbeing initiatives for their school is a whole school scan of staff wellbeing. And as I said before, this is a review of multiple data sets, which includes but is not limited to capturing the observations of leaders, staff, looking through any other surveys that we've captured or collected and any other relevant data sets. Now, I think that a confidential staff survey provides really great and targeted data for your school scan because it's obviously very well-being specific, but a survey alone is not enough. However, the most convincing school scans that I've run involve triangulating those multiple data sets to identify those common themes across a range of pieces of evidence. Uh, like I said before, things like school climate and staff satisfaction data generally tend to pull out similar themes that, that come out in our anonymous staff wellbeing surveys. Now, a scanning process is super important because it shows your staff that their well-being is a priority and here staff feel better equipped to support the well-being of the children and the young people that they work with and build trust and motivation, which is really crucial for a well-functioning school setting. So prioritising well-being sends a clear message to our staff that they, alongside our students, matter. I want to chat really quickly before we dive into unpacking the surveys a bit more about some of the benefits of running staff wellbeing surveys. So as I've discussed before, anonymous staff wellbeing surveys 
provide us, first of all, as leaders with really important insights that allow us to make better informed decision on how to support our staff's well-being. So it can help us to take things from the surface level to go much deeper to the root cause of any key stress in our setting and extend just beyond the profession, for instance. But there are really endless other benefits of capturing and then, of course, acting on the voice of your people. So first of all, identifying the stresses that impact staff or being the most. So the survey really helps you to uncover which workplace stresses are having the most impact on staff health and well-being. And I'm going to tell you now, it's generally not the lack of well-being PL that we put on, <laughs> on offer or suggesting access to our EAP. It's key stresses in the workplace, which can be anything from managing student behavior to communication to even people management. It's important too to identify which initiatives your staff feel would be the most supportive to their well-being and of course to school culture. So here you can stop spinning your wheels with scattergun approaches and pinpoint exactly what approaches and initiatives staff need to improve their well-being. Additionally, surveys inspire engagement. When you give your staff a voice and, of course, act on it, that's really important, (laughs) they're going to feel more engaged when given these opportunities to provide feedback and be heard. Involving your people in the process of change helps them to feel like valued members of a team. Surveys also provide a big picture view of your school's culture at the moment or whenever you run the survey. And a well-constructed survey can help leaders to identify the staff's overall sentiment towards the school culture. Additionally, it can also help to quantify how many of your staff might be struggling and how they view the support that they're currently receiving and what percentage of our staff um, might be struggling or suffering Uh, and therefore what level of intervention method we might need to apply to be able to support them. School surveys also improve accountability. So when staff feel like they can share feedback and express their concerns, they're less likely to build resentment and they're more likely to hold themselves accountable for communicating when they're struggling with their leaders. But similarly, the survey process includes accountability for us as leaders to ensure that we take on the feedback of our staff seriously and we act upon it to make a meaningful and transformational change. Additionally, when done well, staff or being surveys have the power to boost staff satisfaction and retention rates. In an environment where leaders encourage their staff to provide feedback, there is more likely to be collaboration, trust and loyalty, meaning staff are more likely to seek solutions than to up and leave. And finally, seeking the voice of our staff has the power to improve school outcomes. Survey data helps leaders make better informed decisions regarding staff well-being initiatives that can effectively boost morale, influence a change in culture, and of course, optimize performance outcomes for people and for our students. Now, I've worked really hard over the last two years to develop a staff well-being survey 
that gives school leaders and their staff all the relevant information that they need to make an informed difference in their school. Now, the survey is broken into five key sections and it asks about 80 questions. Sounds like a lot, but it's about 15 to 20 minutes to get through. And it mostly uses a four-point rating system. Uh, an example might be strongly disagree, right through to strongly agree. And there's plenty of short answer sections as well to be able to capture staff narrative. Um, and it explores a few key areas. So we're going to dive into them as we move through this episode. So section one, general staff well-being, and this is, of course, all about staff well-being. And the questions ask your staff about how they've been feeling recently regarding their physical, mental and emotional health. Now, it's really important to ask staff about factors that can affect their well-being because it helps us as leaders and as a school to see how we can better adapt to and support the almost daily changes that affect our people. So it's important for us to work out how many of our staff are feeling well physically, mentally and emotionally because if we've got a large percentage of our staff who aren't faring well, then we might be thinking about, okay, are we effectively addressing stresses in our school? Um, Do we need better support options? Do our staff need um, more encouragement or, you know, destigmatization or normalization of mental health challenges if we've got quite a large percentage? These are just some examples. Now, the national averages that I'm collecting show really interesting information about general staff health and wellbeing. So on average, 37% of staff report feeling unwell mentally and emotionally. Now, this is important to quantify because the Australian average just for an individual is one in five, so 20%. So it, of course, makes sense we work in one of the most stressful professions alongside healthcare workers, um, that we are likely going to be more stressed or feel uh, more mentally and emotionally unwell than the average Australian, but still 37% is tracking quite high. Now, this is all, of course, in the last 12 to I'd say 16 months. Now, what's really important, as I was saying before, is to know what's happening in your school because I've seen 46% of staff flag that they don't feel well mentally and emotionally, but I've seen it be as low as 20% in another school, so kind of hitting that Australian national average. On average, 65% of staff across Australia, according to my staff surveys, are reporting high levels of stress. The most I've seen again in one school is 84% and the least is 36%. Now, this is, of course, dependent on the time of the year and this can fluctuate. Term one usually yields more positive results as opposed to term four in the middle of reporting. So we have to be mindful of that too. Now, it's important for us to bring awareness to the physical, mental and emotional health status of our staff in our school because it's an effective way for us to see how we can better adapt to and support our people. Knowing how many staff are challenged or struggling with their health and well-being helps us to ascertain to what extent their school's conditions, initiatives and directions might be influencing their staff both positively Um, or negatively. Then we move through into section two, which is assessing burnout risk for staff. So these questions are designed to measure how many of your staff are experiencing or potentially at risk of burnout. 
Now, burnout, importantly, is defined as a state of emotional or physical exhaustion caused by prolonged feelings of stress and frustration. So the characteristics of burnout can range from overwhelming exhaustion, feelings of cynicism, along with frustration and anger, and that can often lead to detachment from our job, a sense of failure or ineffectiveness, a reduction of perceived personal achievement, so maybe a state of doubt or of the real capabilities of us as an individual, difficulty concentrating or, you know, lapses in memory, lack of motivation and even at times impacted health outcomes. Now, burnout is a growing problem in schools and workplaces worldwide. And traditionally, burnout was actually defined as that state of emotional and physical exhaustion. But more recently, the World Health Organization has actually characterized burnout as a syndrome resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed, labeling it as an occupational phenomenon. Now, this description is important because it emphasizes the responsibility that the workplace has to identify and address workplace stresses for their staff, as well as support and encourage staff to effectively manage their own health and well-being. So asking staff about the factors that can indicate burnout helps us to bring more awareness again to those acute needs of our people within our setting. And this, of course, would hopefully guide any future decision-making or actions when it comes to the introduction of of new models or change, um, as well as how we can support our staff or even refocus on areas that we've introduced in the past, for example. Now, the national averages that I've collected over the last year and a bit shows some really interesting information about staff burnout. So on average across the surveys, I see around 43% of staff self-reporting burnout. Now, burnout in, in many ways is crisis point for some of our staff. So, you know, on average around half of the staff um, or just under, which is quite alarming, Interestingly, though, an additional 13% emerge when we actually review how many staff are reporting multiple symptoms of burnout, and I talked about those symptoms just earlier, and when they share or reflect in the short comment sections. So this is where we can think, oh, these staff might be considered as at risk, on the brink, and if we add that into the mix, it can bring our average up to around 57%. Again, though, each school is unique. So I've seen burnout rates as high as 80% in some schools and as low as 25% in others. So again, knowing your numbers at your school is really important. Then the survey moves down into section three. So this is where we're looking at workplace wellbeing, school culture and staff attitudes. So this section of the survey focuses on exploring the school's attitude to staff well-being and culture um, and the focuses within the setting. Now, these questions are used to explore the effects that work and the work environment have on staff well-being. It looks into key stresses and, and key suggested initiatives, as well as how staff access support. 
So this helps leaders to better understand their staff's attitude about work and identify any support options that might otherwise be overlooked. So when I'm looking again to the data that I've captured over the last year or so, positively, the data in this section actually uncovers that on average, 82% of staff across schools report that they get personal satisfaction and enrichment from their work. However, again, some school sees only around 50% of staff. So we're seeing that as a profession overall, we're still at that point on average where we still get enrichment from the work that we do. So we're still seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, but we have to use this momentum. But in schools where that might not be up at 82-ish percent, we really need to deploy additional support for our staff. Alarmingly, on average, 53% of staff agree when asked if work has a positive impact on their health and well-being. On a positive note, I've seen this as high as 88% in some schools, um, but again, as low as 33% in others. So again, these numbers help us to ascertain how our work environment is impacting our people. This section also assesses overall staff perceptions of staff morale. So according to my data on average across the country, just 49% of staff report morale is high to very high. Um, I've seen this score though as high as 80% and right down at 19% in others. Now morale is very subjective because we only perceive <laughs> morale from our lens um, and, you know, we might hear how other staff are feeling but you know, we have this inbuilt negativity bias, so we might be more programmed to remember some of the comments that may be less positive. Um, but that's still only around half of our staff who report that morale is, um, you know, is, is at a good level. Now, the key indicators that help us to quantify why this might be is the opportunity in the survey for staff to report what their top workplace stresses are and then to provide guidance to the school on what their top suggested wellbeing supportive initiatives might be. And I'll actually discuss what these are more in detail in next week's podcast episode. So be sure to tune in there. But again, these help to provide that information on in our school. These are those top stresses of staff. And let me tell you, in every school I go to, it's different. I might see some similarities. Workload always crops up. Um, but in terms of some of the root cause of uh, any morale or culture uh, challenges, we definitely begin to see in that in that section of the of the survey what that could potentially be and and that's what I generally will suggest to a school that they address before they go about deploying you know any any more workplace wellbeing PL for instance finally section 4 explores school and leadership processes for staff wellbeing so this section of course focuses on the school's overall approach to supporting staff wellbeing now, these questions are used to explore how the school is promoting a positive school culture through their leadership approach and strategic direction. So these questions enable the school leadership team or a staff or being action team to plan for improvement and, and measure the impacts of their interventions over time. So I've actually structured this section of the survey around my six-step approach to becoming a well-led school. 
and I explore these more in episode eight. So if you haven't tuned into that episode, please go back and listen to that one. But for quick reference, the questions explore how involved staff feel in the design of their school's approach to staff well-being, their perceptions on how the leaders promote, encourage and support staff well-being, whether the school has any documented plans, so wellbeing action plans to address and support the wellbeing of staff, their perceptions on the state of staff relationships and overall collaboration, and the health and wellbeing initiative and support options that are on offer at school. Finally, this section looks into staff engagement and, of course, leadership-led engagement practices. Now, this six-step approach is heavily focused on, of course, the PERMA model, so positive psychology's PERMA model, but you'll probably hear from the explanation of each of those six steps that I take a big focus on leadership. That's what I like to do is work mostly with the leadership team. Um, so we're providing and this, our staff with the opportunity to uh, provide feedback on leadership-led wellbeing and engagement practices across the school too. Now, when I'm looking at the data that I've, again, been capturing across the last sort of 16 months, this section of the survey has, again, uncovered some really interesting stats. So on average, just 44% of staff perceive that their school leaders regularly communicate with all staff about the importance and benefits of health and well-being. Now, if I take you back to some of that data that we are capturing in sections one and two, with such high rates of staff stress, burnout and impacted mental health, this, in my opinion, is an area for immediate focus in many schools. If we've got around half of our staff who are struggling with burnout or, or mental health and we're not openly talking about it, promoting, encouraging it and destigmatizing it, um, it's, it's of course going to create um, problems uh, in pockets across the school or in the culture of the whole school. Additionally, staff relationships are a key influence to staff well-being, which is why, of course, it's included in the six steps and it, and it also features really heavily relationships in the PERMA model. Now, our data shows that on average, just 57% of staff perceive that relationships are strong and well-formed at their school across all teams. Now, again, I've seen this be as high as 80% in some schools and as low as 33% in others. So generally speaking, actually, staff reports of morale, uh, as covered in Section 3, are actually tied quite heavily to these results. So often when relationships are strong across the school, morale tends to be um, higher. Now, staff relationships are important because they go on to influence collaboration. On average, 65% of staff agree that the, that the staff collaborate well at their school. However, again, this can vary from 33% in some schools right up to 90% in others. Now, we know that collaboration is absolutely essential to our students' learning outcomes and, of course, for collective teacher efficacy. So um, we can see now how relationships and collaboration go hand in hand, but they also influence um, our perceptions of our own well-being, but also morale um, and overall culture. So a focus on relationships is really important. Additionally, staff engagement is, of course, another key component and influencer on staff well-being. 
Pleasingly, though, on average, according to our data, 70% sorry, of staff across the country are self-reporting high engagement at work. But again, knowing what's happening at your school is essential because I've seen variances with some school staff reporting just 33% in, other, in one school and again as high as up to 90% in a different school. And to wrap up the entire survey, there's section five, which is an overall reflection of workplace culture and and, um, endorsement of the school, which are always great quantifiers. But this section also gives staff the opportunity to provide any suggestions to any of the challenges that they might have listed. And and when we're analysing your data here, um, what we'll do is we'll run a thematic analysis on, on all of the comments throughout the entire survey, um, but particularly link you up with the the top suggested initiatives or or ideas that staff have put forward. So if you've got, for instance, a large percentage of staff saying that they want more transparency or involvement in, in whole school decisions, then of course, we'll be making a note of that for you. So you know that um, the overall sentiment from your staff is that they need this, again, rather than you making that assumption yourself as a leadership team and potentially going for initiatives that might not be as supportive as they could be. Now, before we wrap up today, I wanted to uh, share a little bit about a few key pointers on how you can effectively survey your staff. And then I'll get into where you can get your hands on my anonymous staff will being survey if you'd like to get access to that. Now, my first key pointer is to be mindful of timing. <laughs> now, as I said before, your survey results might vary according to the time of the year that your surveys run. So you might choose to survey during reporting when stress levels are high. Now, um, yes, this might cause some tension with your staff, but you're also getting an idea of where staff are at when they're their most stressed, so where they need the most support during those ti- those pointy end times. Um Asking staff to complete a survey at the end of the year is a good time too because it can allow them to reflect on the successes or challenges um, while allowing for meaningful change in the next year. Some schools opt to go in term one. Now, term one is a really nice time to survey staff. You tend to get the most positive results, but you also have to be mindful that you have new staff coming in who don't actually know the school very well, so it might skew your data. Um, this what I'm what this is getting at is that oftentimes there's no real great time because we can find an excuse for for why it's not amazing um, or why it might be seem better and give us better results. But no matter what you do, just always repeat your survey at the same time each year. So pick a time, communicate why you've chosen that time. And then if you're going to repeat your survey to see how you're going, just make sure you run it at exactly the same time the next year or two years later, for instance. My next pointer is to share your results. Sharing your survey results is a really useful starting point, first of all, for discussions and action planning, but it also uh, provides the opportunity to opportunity, sorry, to discuss your findings openly with staff and provide them with a safe space for reflection. And this can encourage staff contributions in exploring issues and identifying solutions. Again, this this helps to build trust, um, transparency and collaboration. I don't think that 
if you're running the survey and staff never see it, then they'll, they'll see the value in the process. I think it's really important to unpack it with your staff. And sometimes that can be really hard for schools, particularly when the results they get might not be what they imagined or are less than desirable. But if we're all in this together and we're all focused on moving forward as one and in acknowledging the challenges that we're facing, but how we can practically tackle them, that's only going to build our culture to a place that we want and desire and it's going to be more positively. So please, please, please do share your results with your staff. So when I work with a school, I consistently refer to their survey results for the whole year that I'm working with staff so that they're reminded, they know exactly why I'm talking about a topic so it all makes sense. The next key point is to embed your findings. So once you've shared your results, you may wish to think about how to embed them into your planning and strategic processes. So for example, you can include a staff or being goal as part of your annual or strategic operating plans, or of course, when developing a school wellbeing action plan, which is what I suggest all schools do to ensure that they're prioritizing staff wellbeing, but also making it beyond something that's surface level. And I alluded to this before, make sure that you repeat your, your survey. So this helps you to track change. Um, of course, I recommend annually at a minimum. Um, and you might want to repeat your whole survey or just one or two sections. But by comparing the results at different time points, schools can monitor whether their actions are having the intended impact. And you generally find the next focus area. I, I say a lot that staff well-being and school culture is like a whack-a-mole. <laughs> You'll tackle one area and then another area will surface for focus. And that's the nature of a school or a workplace. We are never going to be perfect. Staff are always looking for growth. So are we as leaders. So be mindful that if you attend to addressing workload one year, you might realize that you've lapsed in another area the next year. So you might need to focus your energies there. But it's about identifying the priorities or those key areas for focus that, that come out of your survey. I encourage you not to run surveys and then go, wow, we've got 10,000 things we need to do now. Just focus on the three things that will make the biggest difference. And as I said before, it's generally going to be around the promotion and encouragement the genuine promotion and encouragement of staff mental health and well-being um, and, you know, really leadership-led engagement practices. But as I said before, it might be challenging student behaviours in your school that is the leading cause of burnout. Um, or if it's staff shortages, it's how can we work smarter and optimise our working practices around this? Um, you know, how can we acknowledge that openly and communicate more with our staff um, and all be in this together? So, it's focusing on those really juicy high leverage areas for focus. So as I hope you've learned today, staff wellbeing surveys can be a really valuable tool for collecting data and feedback regarding the culture and perceived support at your school. I strongly believe that they help leaders make better decisions about wellbeing initiatives and when done regularly, they're a helpful tool for tracking changes and, and progress over time. Additionally, they provide your staff with an opportunity to voice their thoughts and be involved in the process of change. 
our editable 80 question anonymous staff well-being survey, as I said, is grouped into those five main sections to provide insights into your staff's views, opinions, and well-being needs. So engage and involve staff in the process of change by giving them that opportunity to share their feedback. Uncover the school's leading workplace stresses and, of course, to find out what initiatives your staff will find to be the most valuable so you can make those better informed decisions to go on to influence your school's culture and, of course, overall performance. Now, you can purchase and download all that you need to capture your staff's voice and get started on your school's improvement journey. And you can actually choose between two different packages. So there's the do-it-yourself staff well-being survey. So here you're given the option just to purchase the template. So that's all on a Google Forms template. So you'll download a copy. You can edit that, add questions, remove questions, word questions uh, and you also get a survey guide that goes with that which includes a way to analyze your data with all of your staff some activities and prompts that you can use as well as plenty of instructions for administering your survey and doing it well and then the other option is the staff survey and data analysis and recommendation package so this is where I support you and your school to conduct the survey and I'll actually review your data run that thematic analysis across all of the surveys, uh, survey comments as well and provide you with a really comprehensive report as well as a summary report. So you've got um, quite a lengthy report as well as a two-pager. And this provides you with ideas, strategies and recommendations to begin to build your own uh, wellbeing action plan. Or, of course, you can choose then to utilise my support over the course of a term or a year um, to be able to work towards building your own tailored staff well-being action plan. You can learn more about both of the packages at adrianhornby.com.au forward slash service forward slash anonymous hyphen staff hyphen surveys. And that is a mouthful. So I'm going to link that in the show notes for you, but it's also really easy to access at adrianhornby.com.au. You'll see it in the service drop down menu. All right, that's it from me today, talking all about staff well-being surveys. As I mentioned, next week I'll be going into what I'm seeing in the data as the key reported stresses across the country as well as top suggested initiatives for supporting staff well-being. So you might be keen to tune in and listen to that and I wonder whether um, those would be relevant to your school. Again, it's super important for you to find out what's happening at your individual school. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for listening to Well-Led Schools. I look forward to connecting with you at adrianhornby.com.au. Here you can get in contact with me, learn more about my approach and join my mailing list. I'm Adrienne Hornby. Thanks again for your time and stay well.